Welcome to the Community Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is a part of a series entitled, What If? For more information about our church, visit cccsterling.org. Once again, good morning and welcome to Community Christian Church. As Pastor Dan has already said, it's so good to have you here on this absolutely beautiful April day. I think spring has finally sprung. Long time coming, uh, but the good weather hopefully is here to stay. Okay, I'd like to begin this morning by reading a pretty interesting portion of scripture found in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 13. And this particular passage that I like to read is unique to Luke, which simply means that none of the other three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, or John, write about this story or mention it in their gospels. Luke is the only one. So Luke chapter 13, the first five verses, verses one through five. Are you ready? And you can follow along behind me. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus asked, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, unless you what? Unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Okay, that's good right there. Here in Luke chapter 13, Jesus responds to a couple of tragic events that took place, and using both of them as a teaching tool, He impresses upon the people one more time the need to repent. Now, if you follow the ministry of Jesus carefully in the Gospels, then you probably discovered that was a main message of Jesus, to bring people to a place of repentance. And repentance in the Greek basically means to change your mind or to have a change of heart. And in so doing... After making those changes, you turn from your own sin and your selfishness and you make a move toward God. That's what Jesus was all about. He pointed everyone that he possibly could to the Father and he kept talking to them about the Father. You see, repentance is the key to salvation. In fact, it's the key to every other promise that God clearly articulates in his word. And the best part of this whole thing called repentance is that the scripture says it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. It's his kindness, his love, not his anger, not his wrath, not the judgments of God, but it's the mercy of God, it's the grace of God that empowers us to make a move away from our sin and toward God. And if you've yet to make that move, if you have not pursued God, 
by repenting of your sin and reaching out to him, then I highly recommend that you do that as soon as you possibly can. In fact, you might even want to consider doing it today. However, today, instead of addressing the repentance portion of this scripture that we just read, what I'd like to do is briefly comment on what actually happened here. So there was a couple of things that happened, and Jesus took the opportunity to use it as an illustration. He made reference to it, and once again promoted his main message, which was to repent and turn to God. So that's a, that's a message in and of itself. That's a good message that we all need to hear. But today I want to focus in on what actually happened. Because here in this passage, in Luke chapter 13, there were two different tragedies. The first tragedy took place when a group of Jewish people left the place where they lived in Galilee, and they journeyed to the temple in Jerusalem and decided to worship the Lord. And they brought animal sacrifices with them because in those days, that's how you sacrifice. In fact, that's how you repented of your sins. You brought a sacrifice. And these people were doing exactly what God had instructed them to do. And so right there in the middle of that worship service, as they are presenting their hearts before the Lord, at Pilate's instruction and Pilate's command, a group of Roman soldiers came in and just started killing everybody randomly killing all of Joe's Jewish people, people, and then for sport, took the blood that they had prepared to make sacrifice with and mingled it with their own human blood. Very cold-blooded thing to do. And Jesus asked the question and made the comment. He, he implied, were these people who were murdered in such a ruthless way who suffered so horrifically, were they any worse than anyone else? He said no. In other words, they were not terrible people, and they certainly did not deserve to die that way. Likewise, in story number two, Jesus addresses the 18 people who died in Jerusalem when the Pool of Siloam Tower, the watchtower that overlooked the pool, suddenly collapsed and fell on them. 18 people were in close proximity to that tower, and it crushed them to death. And again, Jesus said, these 18 people, they weren't any worse than anyone else. They weren't terrible people. And they certainly did not deserve to die that way. You see, sometimes when innocent people suffer, or when bad things happen to good people, we object to that. That's an injustice that we process through our humanity and it is so difficult for us to deal with it. Maybe some of us don't verbalize it, but we lodge our complaints against God. A few even go a little bit further and they shake their finger at God and they slam their fist on the table and they demand answers, answers to a multitude of questions. And then additionally, sometimes when we find ourselves on the receiving end of a raw deal, we wonder why. We ask God a bunch of different questions. And then after we try to process the negative things that happen to us, 
That's when we start to sort through the blame. Sometimes we blame ourselves. And when we do that and we can't get victory past maybe a little failure of ours, it haunts us for the rest of our lives. If we don't blame ourselves, we blame somebody else. If we can't find someone else to pass the blame along to, quite possibly what we do is we place the blame on God. And we feel as though God has let us down or God has failed us. Here in Luke chapter 13, Jesus takes a swipe at that particular mentality. And here's what he implies. If you can read this passage and get beyond his message on repentance, which is a really solid message, here is what else listed in this particular passage that you got to go below the surface. Here's, here's what Jesus implies with this whole story. Oftentimes, the tragic experiences and loss that we suffer in this life are not, say that, are not indicative of any specific wrongdoing on our part. I'm going to mention that again because this statement alone, if you would allow it to fill your heart, would transform you. Oftentimes, the tragic experiences and loss that we suffer in this life are not indicative of any specific wrongdoing on our part. So instead of looking to pass blame, instead of allowing bitterness and resentment to fill your heart, instead of being filled with all kinds of shame and condemnation over what has happened, these are the very situations and conditions in our lives that the scripture tells us should compel us to move toward God and actually place more trust in him. Did you hear me? It's the tough experiences. It's the adversity. It's the tests and the trials of our faith that should move us closer to God. And over the years, this is what I've learned. Pain and suffering and brokenness is like a God magnet. Because if you open your heart to God during those tough times, God will rush in to comfort you. He wants to do that for you. But oftentimes we push him away. In fact, we push a lot of people away during those really tough times. But Psalm 34, verse 18 says that God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. He knows how to comfort his people. And in the event you haven't noticed, there is a lot of suffering in our world today. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of brokenness. All of us go through these things. And so Jesus was basically saying here, sometimes you can't find an answer for it. So instead of demanding an answer, why don't you make a move toward God? And don't look now, but that's what repentance is all about. It's moving toward God, moving away from everything else and saying, God, here I am. I fully surrender to you. Now, this morning, as we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, I want to ask you another hypothetical question. Here it is. What if, what if you lost everything? What if something bad were to happen to you suddenly and you lost all of your stuff? 
or you lost your health, how would that make you feel? What kind of questions would you ask? What conclusions would you draw? And how would it affect your faith in God? Well, normally after asking those kinds of hard-hitting questions, I would turn to the scripture, uh, try to bring a little bit of comfort and ease your pain, and do a little preaching. However, today we're going to do something a little bit differently. Instead of preaching this sermon, what I'd like to do is conduct a personal interview of someone who did exactly what I just asked you. They lost everything. Lost their home. Lost their business. Lost their stuff. And typically when you talk about these kinds of things, it's a little bit awkward. It's, it's not an easy matter to address, especially publicly. But the person that I want to interview today, he's been a member of our church for several years. He's a very close friend of mine. And because of the trust relationship that we have, I think we can pull this off. And so what I'd like to do is ask my good friend, Pete Pappas, to come and join me up on the stage. Why don't you welcome him as he comes? You have to see Pete. For those of you who don't know Pete and his family, they've been attending Community Christian Church for about 19 years, since 1999. Pete is married to Deb's <laughs> wife, who you probably all know. Deb, why don't you just wave? Okay, Deb is currently the director of our Connections team after serving in our children's ministry for a couple hundred years. Okay, they have two sons. Costa, who I don't see, is he here? Uh, okay, Costa and his wife, Melissa. Why don't you just stand real quick so everybody can see you guys? All right, thank you. And then uh, Pete Jr. and his fiancee, Heather, why don't you stand? <laughs> Certainly don't mean to embarrass anybody, but I want to comment, Heather, if you don't mind. Uh, Heather uh, just recently made a fresh commitment, a new commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ on Easter as she did exactly what we were talking about, making a move and turning toward God and to uh, make a profession of her faith. Uh, she was water baptized last Sunday. So Heather, that means a lot to us. Thank you so much. Okay, so Pete and I, we met, believe it or not, uh, when we were in junior high around the ages of 14 or 15. And that year we became very close friends and we've kept that friendship going for the past 48 years. Now, there was a tiny little hiccup, I would say, in our relationship, just a small one after I got saved, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, let me show you a couple of photos that I was able to get my hands on. Right. Oh, my word. Uh, this is about the time that we met, okay, so you can see youth was on our side. And then we have a couple of other ones. You can tell who's who, right? Okay, this is when we graduated from high school. Makes me feel old. Yeah. Now, I was influenced by uh, Mario Puzo's uh, movie at the time. Uh, these, were, these were the Godfather years. Okay. So, Pete, we met when we were 15 years old. And uh, shortly after we met, we both uh, started working at Young's Garden Mart on Ryan Road there in Warren, Michigan. 
Um, I think we were making about a dollar, a dollar 25. 25 an hour. And putting in uh, 30 or 40 hours, we were making like 40 bucks a week, and we thought we had some cash. I mean, we, we really enjoyed ourselves. And so, Pete, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that job that you can remember? It was uh, a job that I'll never forget. Of course, my first job. And P.T. was hired actually in before I was. He actually got me in. And I said, a buck 25, wow. Well, they put you in a position to start in the back of the nursery to pot flowers. That's what I remember. And they wind you to count 25 plants. My gosh. P.T. after about 20 minutes says, you know what? This looks like 25. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> And things became a lot easier. Yeah, it, it was good. You he know, would I, count them out, though. He would uh -huh. count them out. I, I learned a lot from PT. Now, I'm going to share something else. He might say, no. But I remember the time PT got called up front, and this was when you made it to carry out flowers to the homeowner, and they would tip you. It was very exciting. Well, they <laughs> called him up. And I'm watching him all day, and he's coming back. <laughs> I'm up front. You're out back. Okay, we're 15 now. I have a slightly different version of that. Yeah, I know you do. I was encouraging to him, saying, it's going to be soon. You'll be called up to, to uh -huh. just keep hanging in there. I remember it was near close, and he was always sharp, even at 15 with numbers. He was sharp as a brass tack. And I look at him, I see him opening the till. He takes out a $5 bill, puts it in his pocket. I walk up to him and I says, what somebody are you doing? just gasp. Be careful with this. <laughs> I mean, come on, this might hurt somebody. Be careful. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? He said, shh, it's all right. It's all right. But I'm back. I worked all day skimming numbers to make this $5 bill. I said, listen, put it back, or you and me, we're done. He put it back. So praise God. God was already moving in his life at 15 years old. It was good. I will say Pete was as straight as an arrow. Yeah. He really was. I mean, he uh, was uh, uh, the kind of guy that did everything you were supposed to do. And so that, that, uh, I remember that um, all the way from when we were very young. All right, so you know, we were pretty close at the time. I don't know, we might have worked at Young's for a couple of years. Yeah. And, um, oftentimes after work, I'd come over to your house. We spent a lot of time together. We got involved in some ping pong matches. If I remember correctly, you were slightly better than me in ping pong, but I used to kill you playing chess. Um, so, uh, but what would happen, Pete? Tell me uh, now that you told this $5 story. Um, There's other stories too, yeah, yeah. but we won't go there. Uh, okay. Tell me what would happen on occasion when I decided instead of uh, coming over after work, so you would walk north on Ryan Road toward 12 Mile. I would go east on Martin, and I'd say, Pete, I, I can't come over uh, today. I'm going to go home. I'd get ticked at him and I'd throw stones. <laughs> I said, Come on over. No, I got to go home. Come on. And I'd actually throw stones. I loved him at 15 years old. <laughs> Just something about him. We hit it off. There was a relationship that uh, 48 years later was still here. It's good. It's okay. good. So, uh, you know, two years into uh, Young's Garden Mart, we learned all there is to know about nursery work and, you know, cutting grass and things like that. And so we decided to go into business at 
the ripe, mature age of 16 years old, right? Tell us a little bit about that first business venture. Now we're young entrepreneurs. We decide to start a landscaping company, and it's going to be called P&T Landscaping. We can't use TP because of the TP issue, toilet paper, of course. So <laughs> here we are. Now visualize this. Dark blue creased pants in high school, a powder blue shirt, with the red letters of our name and P&T Landscaping on the back. We looked good. <laughs> we really did. We, we wore those outfits to high school every day. Every day. And of course, our, our schoolmates uh, laughed at us. But you know, we were um, determined that we were going to be into business together. And so we did that for a little while. It was pretty successful. We borrowed uh, Pete's uh, dad's lawnmower and cut uh, grass that way. And uh, then we went into another business, uh, oh, just yeah. about a, a year or so later, a couple years later. I had a friend of mine that a years ago used to help had a septic business. And I learned the ropes. What, what, what kind of business? I don't know that they caught that. Septic? You got it. Septic. Septic business. That's where you're pumping the waste product yeah. from the hall. Keep in mind that I grew up thinking I was going to take crap from anybody. <laughs> well, now, now, we're, now we're in a septic business. Okay. All right, so Pete's got this idea that we're going to go into septic cleaning business, all right? And he knows it all. He knows the, the trade and everything, so he talks me into it. And you were actually at the PD this time, police department. That's right. And I had some personal issues, and make a long story short, I broke my leg in nine places. PT was just basically going to take care of the number aspect, the books. I'd have a guy, and I'd do all the work. Simple. Well, I broke my leg, and I was laid up for about seven months. Just before we were to launch business day. So we have coupons out. We got, you know, appointments on the books. Again, I wasn't supposed to even look at the truck. I'm just going to be, you know, a partner from the distance. And just before we're supposed to start the, the business, Pete breaks his leg skiing, and now i got to do the work. Oh. And he's got to tell me what to do. Can you see this? <laughs> For like the first day or two, it was a sight to remember. He didn't want to touch it, even with a pair of gloves. Don't get me near it. I mean, it was actually hilarious. But we did it, and uh, actually, uh, we had to depart of the business with his position with work and what happened in my life at that time. We had to sell it to another company and. But it was successful. It was, it was a successful business, and Pete, it was a septic tr uh, truck, but he kept it so clean, <sighs> so neat, you could actually eat off of it. Now, you wouldn't want to, but that's how, every day we went to the, the car wash and, and, and then sprayed it clean. So nice uh, fire truck red, beautiful, easy, clean septic truck. It came down the road. You'd actually want us to pull into your driveway. All right, so, you know, we maintain a close friendship, relationship. Uh, you know, through the, um, our high school days and even after high school. Mm -hmm. And do you remember that, um, you know, you got into this thing and you started dragging me off to the nightclubs? Remember you wanted to do a little dancing mm -hmm. and, you know, you would always uh, dress up and uh, you'd, you'd get yourself... Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Put the cameras away. 
You yeah. did a really good job on the dance floor. All right, a few years later, 1976, I got married. You stood up at my wedding. Do you remember that? I do. Uh, we have a couple other pictures oh, I want to show boy. you. All right, so obviously that's me to the left there, the, the, uh, the groom. Jeez. Pete is the fourth guy. You see him? Okay, and then this is Pete over here. I uh, don't know exactly uh, what he had to drink. Oh. Uh, how much he had to drink, but he was having a good time. <laughs> All right, then we have one other picture I'd like you to see. There's Pete holding Tony Jr., probably in 19. Hair still the same, isn't it? <laughs> a little more back then. It would take Pete a good 30 to 45 minutes to get his hair like that. Uh, and every time I come over to his house, he was in the finishing, put the finishing touches on. And there were a couple of times when he got all the way to the end and I was waiting on him and waiting on him and he'd say, give me five more minutes and he'd have to redo it. Back in the shower and redo his hair. But we had a, we had a good time. Okay. So right around this time, um, within a, a several months, I, I got married. I, I, I moved to Detroit. I became a Detroit police officer. And then I got saved. So I want you to tell the congregation what it was like when me, a normal guy, doing all the normal things that unsaved guys do, what it was like for you when you uh, saw that I heard that I became a Jesus freak. It was really hard to comprehend, knowing him so well as I did, going out as often as we did, doing the things we did, uh, really threw me for a loop. At first, I thought he was maybe in a cult. I, I really didn't know. It was just a, a transformation that I couldn't tell. I didn't know what happened to him. Something happened to him. And it was uh, life-changing, whatever it did. Okay, so I would talk to you a little bit about what had happened to me, and you knew that I had come from Catholicism. And it was a little challenge there because you were Greek Orthodox. And mm -hmm. what do they teach in the Greek Orthodox faith? Greek Orthodox, very similar to what I, I believe now is uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Except back then, being in the Orthodox faith and being raised, I always believed in God, that there was a creator God. But I never knew it was relating about a relationship with him. So it was basically going to church doing things that I don't know why I'm doing them from a, a baby to whenever really I came to the knowing of Christ in my life. And it was very uh, same thing, repetitious, week after week after week. Why do they do that? If I'd asked somebody, they couldn't give me an answer. So it was really stooped into religion and, of course, not a relationship. Mm -hmm. I had a God-fearing grandfather that was right. just uh, a gem in my life that probably really instilled God into my life. I would see this man continually praying daily, reading his Bible, had an altar he put in his room. Uh, I drive him to church every Sunday, and many times he walked. And I lived in Warren, and he would walk the 10 mile in Mac if he had no ride. So it was a really, really good upbringing with him. I, of course, my parents were believers, but they were in the Orthodox faith. And uh, just were never taught what I've learned through Christ. 
And so when I would suggest to you that maybe you, you know, could visit a church, a non-denominational uh-huh. church, or maybe even consider, you know, changing a little bit and accepting Christ as your Savior, what, what was... Absolutely not. I remember saying one thing to PT and my wife, God bless her. I was born Orthodox, raised Orthodox. I'm going to die Orthodox. I don't want to hear nothing about this Jesus or Christianity. And for a long time, PT and I were kind of, he was seeking this Jesus, and I was basically doing my own thing. But uh, very, very grateful for this guy. Okay, so, you know, we were talking, and, you know, I was never the kind of guy that, you know, would force or try to force mm-hmm. the gospel down anyone's throat. But, you know, I was, you know, kind of sowing seeds in my own way. I mean, mm-hmm. this good friend of mine, we'd get together a lot, and, you know, it would come out, and a lot of times the four of us would be together, Pete and Deb and Teresa and I, and, uh, you know, we'd have dinner. And strategically, after a session of prayer, you know, I would interject a question that I knew would lead to us talking about uh, the Lord. and. Pete would get up and go to the bathroom every time. And that meant conversations over. And, you know, I respected that. I respected that he didn't want to talk about it. And so we, we had this ongoing conversation. And uh, I was told by Pete on several occasions, look, I'm Greek Orthodox. That's how I'm going to die. I want to say one thing to you, and I respect you for this. One thing PT never did is push Christianity onto me. He loved me. He was there for me. Uh, and never one time did he push himself. And I think sometimes, you know, us as believers, we can push too much and have a person really have a bad attitude about it. It's God's timing. And one thing you never did was that, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Because my orthodox faith at that time was my everything. And basically because I was brought up orthodox. So I was not, you know, um, getting real excited about the fact that Pete was rejecting. You know, we spent a lot of time praying for him. Um, I believed in my heart one day that Pete would come to know the Lord. Although I will say this, if there was anyone that I thought would fight the hardest, it was Pete. So uh, eventually um, we started a church, Community Christian Church. Mm -hmm. Not long after we started the church... Um, your wife gets saved. Mm-hmm. She makes a full commitment to the Lord, gets all excited, and she starts attending yeah. Community Christian Church. She wants you and the boys now to convert and come over to Community Christian. And tell me what happened during those days. That was a rocky road in my house. <laughs> I'm coming home, and I'm seeing a change in her. She's joyful. She's singing. She's happy. Guys, there's scripture on the refrigerator. There's Bibles throughout the house. I said, what is this? I told you, I'm orthodox, and I don't want to hear about it. And she just kind of loved on me. And I remember, uh, as clear as day, that uh, our house was a little rocky. I was very upset at this man. I even got on the phone, and I said, you know, you're, you're upsetting my household. Right. It's uh, one thing, you doing your thing, but now you've affected my house. And for a while... Debbie would go to church, you take the boys, I would do my thing. Never went to church. You mind if I take the kids? No, go ahead. Okay, she'd take the kids. Oh, God had a plan, God had a purpose that I didn't realize then, but I do now. And it's uh, basically it. So there was a little strain on the relationship. That's what I referred Big to strain. A, a while back. Yeah. And, you know, Pete got a little emotional. 
And I would always say to him, well, tell me the bad, I mean, you know, he's, he's questioning now his marriage and his family only because there's a lot of turmoil and Debbie's really pursuing this relationship with God. So I said, tell me, tell me what bad things is your wife doing? I mean, is she going out drinking? Is she, you know, doing all, oh no, she's reading her Bible and going to church. So I said, well, you know what, why don't you try processing that to see how bad that is. So, you know, there were, these were conflict days for Pete and I. And again, I'm doing everything I can to pull him in, not to push him away. Because ultimately, I want him to come to know the Lord. And so um, what happens is he stays away from the church. He, he doesn't really want anything to do with Community Christian Church. And I don't know exactly if it was Deb who invited you or me, but he came to an event that we did in 1996, which was a left-behind evangelistic drama. And so, Pete, tell us a little bit about that, what happened then. Uh, actually, Deb and the boy says, come on, Dad. There's an event. Pastor is your best friend. Why don't you come and just sit and enjoy an evening with us? I said no. <laughs> but after a little bit of, come on, come on, come on, I says, okay. And I remember walking in. It was August 7th, 1999, to be exact. I uh, sat down. I believed in God, but I was probably on the devil's top ten list, doing things that I shouldn't do, and my ears were just opening. There was an evangelist, Rick Bosnick, i never forget, he was speaking, sharing, and my ears, like, they just grew, and my ears were just engulfed into what he, he was saying. And by the end of that night, he said, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be the Lord of your life, I was already gone. I was at the altar. Thank you. God be the glory. I was on my knees. And it was like being in construction all my life. Folks, you don't, don't know me. Some do. I had a very potty mouth. And it was like when I came off my knees, there was a way. I can't exp explain it unless it happened to you. I was different because the next day I got up, I couldn't wait to tell people I met Jesus. And I remember Joe was here. I wanted people to know, dude, I met Jesus Christ for the first time in my life. And the words of that mouth of mine wouldn't come out. It was like, Praise God. It was like I was delivered. I could get mad. I could get upset. and I couldn't cuss. And it was like, whoa, man. I had an encounter to change my life. Lord really rocked me. Really changed my whole world from that time to now. And I'm so grateful. But that was August 7th, 1999. I'll never forget that. Just out of curiosity, how many of you were, were at the Left Behind drama that we did? Maybe not on August the 7th, but one of the nights. Okay, a good group. Um, you know, we had been praying for Pete, and when we saw Pete come uh, to the event that night, of course, you know, we're thinking hopeful. We want it to happen. And before uh, Rick Bosnick gave the invitation, I saw Pete out of the corner of my eye run to that altar and bow before the Lord. And it was one of the most dramatic transformations I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he went to radical Christianity overnight and was a different person. So when we talk about that happening, 
like when the word came forward uh, this morning during the worship time, that you could be changed today? That's not just a, you know, uh, something that we say. It can happen. It takes the Spirit of the Lord all of about a split second to change situations. And we saw the transformation of Pete right before our very eyes. And then a couple of weeks later, I invited you to a men's retreat. There was maybe 50 or 60 of us. And uh, something happened for two days in a row. I mean, it, 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 was, it was comical to me, but not so much for Pete. For 48 straight hours, what happened? It's all I did is bawl like a baby. <laughs> From the time I got up, whether it was in a worship or a prayer time or the word time, I just cried. And I looked, there. what's going on with me? And the Lord was just cleansing me and revealing himself to me in such an impactful way, folks. It was life-changing. But I cried for two straight days. Uh, it was incredible. I'll never forget that as well. Really special moment as I, I, I knew what God was doing in his life and how God you know, can change a heart. And you know the times that we were together after that, it didn't matter who it was. Pete would always somehow bring the gospel up. He would, you know, he would reflect upon how God had changed him. It was a, a tremendous testimony. Okay, so shifting gears here a little bit, Pete. Um, right around that time, uh, and even prior to the time that you mm -hmm. got saved, prior to 1999, God had blessed you. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about your lifestyle, what you, know, what you were doing. And, and, and I know this might be a little awkward for you, but I, I want you to just uh, have at it and, and give us a clear understanding of the kind of life that you were living. Well, I was, I was serving God every day of my life. I was very grateful, very blessed. I had what you call the American dream. I had God. Let me just take a step up backwards because I have to apologize to my wife. Early on, I never really uh, uh, prioritized my wife the way I should have. My whole life was out of whack. I would side over family members before my wife, and it took God really to align my life to God first, my wife, then my children. So I apologize to you, Debbie. It's been a lot of years that, that you were mistreated for me. And, and uh, of course, I have apologized to you, but publicly, uh, God has changed my heart. It's big. And I thank you. Thank you. But everything was going well. I had a business you know, running 70, 75 people. A lot of people know I'm in construction. I was blessed to build this church. But uh, business was great. I had a beautiful home, a cabin, motor home, every toy you can imagine, jewelry, watches, all the good stuff that men think is so important. And life was good. I mean, it was an absolute dream. I had no problems. Although back in 04, I lost my mother and father, God bless them, to pancreas cancer. So we have had some hurdles. My oldest... We almost lost him in a terrible car crash, but to God be the glory, uh, brought him through and healed him, and he's here today. So there's a lot of obstacle that was in my life, but God always seemed to show his self faithful to me. And, I mean, just when you think everything is great, something happens. And, so, Pete, before we just go in that yes. direction, tell me, uh, just so everybody's clear, would it be safe to say you were a multimillionaire? Yes. Okay, so, you know, you were doing really well with your business. I mean, money was no object. Very you well. You could get whatever you wanted, and uh, you had the best of everything. Business was great. You'd want to go and buy what you wanted at any given time. And a lot of things you learned back then, and what I learned now is uh, uh, quite a difference between a, a want and a need. 
I was a, even though I believed and I sought God in my life, I wanted things. God gave me a peace, but I wanted things. And, God, just forgive me. Uh, God changed that. But go ahead, Pastor. So at the height of your success, when everything's going good for you Mm -hmm. now, I mean, you have your trials and Mm -hmm. tests and things are happening, but for the most part, you've turned your life over to God. You're finding new purpose in life but you're still making a lot of money and you're still doing really well. You built a dream house. I think it was over a million dollar house that you built. And so doing well, doing to the fact that, uh, uh, built a house that my wife and I had a plan and a vision that we'd stay there maybe eight, nine years, like a lot of folks sell it, and retire off it. I built it myself. It was appraised at 1.5. It sold for $450,000. So there was a lot of a lot of mistakes that I made, but but before that business was fantastic. Never would I think that I would be sitting here and sharing about what I am going to tell you, because it was just the monies were flowing in, the receivables were unbelievable, the manpower was there, everything was good. And when we hit that 2011 crunch, that devastated a lot of the country. Our company took a major blow. Uh, I won't get into all the incidentals, but everything I owned was gone. My business, the employees, building, my home, my cabin, my motor home, all the things I had personally, the four wheelers and toys and motorcycles and jewelry, everything. It sustained me some of that stuff because I had money to pay and sustain my life. But I was stripped. And how I looked that one day I was on top of the mountaintop living the dream. I probably then should have retired, but God had a different plan for me. Now, I'm at the lowest of low. I'm literally broke. Everything I have is gone. I have nothing but, thank God, a God-fearing wife, a praying wife, my two sons, and a brother as a business partner that him and I stuck together like white on rice to see each other through it. It was uh, just devastating and horrific. Probably the darkest time in my entire life. But to God be the glory, he gives us all a second chance. Okay, and and this is what you've maintained through the years is a, yes. is a faith in God. We'll talk about that in a second. And, and I know that God was always there for you. Yes. you. You depended on him. But this was a tough time for you. Very you, tough time. You, you were stripped. In fact, um, something happened <coughs> where, where you came to me and you told me you didn't have yeah. food. And, and what happened then? I was at the lowest of low, and that's why I thank this man in this church, is I came here to use the food pantry. I had no money. I had no food. I had nowhere to turn. A lot of my friends don't even know this. It's a very, very humbling situation when you have to come to a church and say, hey, I need potatoes or I need eggs. I don't have anything. That for me was probably the most humbling experience of my entire life. But I will say this, I had questions, I had fears, I had doubts. When I met God for the first time in my life, nothing would sway my faith. And I'm not just saying that because we're gathered amongst believers. 
Nothing would shake my faith. I pressed in with my wife. We pressed into God. We prayed. We believed that God would pull us out of this, that God would deliver us, that the Lord would give us a new beginning. In church, I had people, believers, that was pray, stand in the gap with me. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You have no idea how important you all are to somebody next to you if they're going through something. Because when you think you have a problem, somebody next to you, we can all say amen and all that Sunday stuff. But somebody has a bigger problem than what you think. And all I can say is my wife and I pressed into God. We continued to seek God. And God eventually brought us through. God be the glory. Peter was walking with you during this time. Yes. I watched how you responded to the yes. Lord, and I was, um, I commend you for the way that you conducted yourself. I've mentioned this to you before. I'm very proud of you. I'm proud of the way that you um, uh, turned to God and you waited upon the Lord. You didn't allow the enemy to turn you away from God. And, mm-hmm. Um, there were some things that were happening along uh, the way, especially when, when you were at your low point, mm-hmm. fighting to just keep your head above water. Mm-hmm. What were some of those little signs that the Lord gave you to prove this faithfulness to you, that comforted you? God was always faithful to me. I continually prayed and sought God. With our business losing everything, we were able to regroup, restart up in a complete different fashion, doing smaller work, you know, a quarter of the employees. And there's been multiple, multiple occasions where I, I like praying to God when I'm driving in the morning. And I put my day before him. And there's been many and many. I mean, I cannot tell you. There's enough, not, not enough of hands. Whereas I would need help that day. One of my guys would be sick. Something would happen. He wouldn't show up. And out of the blue, my phone would call, would ring. And it'd be an employee that I knew or know that would say, hey, I'm looking for a day. Can you help me? And this has been on multiple occasions how God would reveal himself that I'm still there. You call out on me, I'll deliver you. I'm there. And God really showed me through this that the more we press in, you know, I I look at it like this. How many hours in front of a TV do we spend, whether it's movies or, or programs that we watch or indulge upon. If we just spent that little bit seeking God for direction in our life, seeking God where he wants us, seeking his righteousness in our life, we'd all be in a better place. That's my personal aspect because my wife and I both have just sought after God with all our heart. And I know looking back at my life, being the way I was raised, if I was, if I did not get saved, Pastor, I don't know where I'd be, what I'd do right now. Right. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Because my faith was nowhere. It was minutely, as I didn't have that relationship. Uh, I, I had nothing back then. I have everything right now through the Lord. Very grateful for that. So, Pete, what are some of the, um, the, the um, promises of God? Uh, the, and the lessons that you learned during, wanna, d- during this time. I want to back up one yeah. thing, Pastor. Is I had a lot of questions in my mind. I'm no perfect Christian. But I had a lot of questions. 
I had an occasional doubt, Lord, where are you? What's happened? Why is this happening to me? Did I sin? Did I not pray enough? Did I not tithe enough? Because I do believe in tithing. Uh, I had questions, but I've learned not to question God. God has a plan and a purpose for everything. And I think really what God revealed to me in my own time, and I'm very, very, very grateful. I don't see this lightly. I'm grateful for what happened in my life because I myself was able to prioritize my life and also know what's important. What do I need? What do I want? Is this really a need or do I really want it? And the Lord was able to show me in my life what's important. It's God. It's family. It's your brother and sisters. I mean, it's, it's family. And with family, I'm telling you, folks, you have each other. You'll get through whatever you're dealing with, whether it's a, a bankruptcy like myself, whether it's a death. And we're all here for a short time, a very short time. We're here today. A blink of an eye, we can get, be gone tomorrow. There's no guarantee that any one of us will see each other when we walk out these doors. So what my wife and I try to do daily is just prioritize our life, what's important, and follow God. Okay, we're going to wrap this up, Pete. Yes. One more question. Yes. Or anything else that you'd like to share uh, with the congregation in closing. Uh, with everything that you've been through, everything that you've learned, the lessons that God uh, taught you, what is the biggest takeaway that you would want to uh, leave the church with this morning? My biggest takeaway really is just your, your faith in Christ. Don't look at man, because man is going to let you down. Pat, not this pastor. Pastor is going to let you down. Preacher on television, wherever. Man is going to let you down. But your faith in Christ, spending a little homework, knowing your heavenly Father like you know your Father, is going to get you through a lot. The saving grace of Jesus Christ in your life will give you peace, will redeem you, and give you hope in the future. Amen. All right, let's give Peter a round of applause. To God be the glory. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, there's a passage of scripture that was running through my mind the entire time that Pete and I were talking. It's Psalm 62. It's a Psalm of David. Uh, in Psalm 62, the early verses, uh, David said, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone, he is my rock, my fortress and my salvation. I shall never be shaken. I shall never be shaken. That word shaken in the Hebrew actually means to waver. I will never waver between two opinions. I will never decide whether God is God. I will make the commitment that it, whether in the good times or in the tough times, he is God alone. He is a God you can put your trust in. He's a God that you can run to and know that he will respond to you. Now, our original plan was to say thank you for coming and to dismiss you, but I just feel I can't do that 
Uh, of course, you are free to go at any time, and I'm going to close our time out together uh, informally with a word of prayer in just a minute. But uh, in light of the prophetic word that came forward earlier during the worship time, and in the event you're not aware of that, of what that is, it's, in, it's actually a gift, uh, one of the nine gifts of the Spirit uh, talked about in, the, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And it's where God impresses upon us he exhorts us. He encourages us to do certain things. And the Spirit of God was, was really encouraging us today to, to come and lay yourself before the Lord and to be different. That's what the message of repentance is all about. You know, we hear that word and we want to run from it because we think that somebody's accusing us of being a sinful person. When Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it just meant Give it all to God. Trust God. Turn to God. And that really was the burden of the Holy Spirit today. To put your trust in God. God's a healer. God can deliver you. He can save you. Every single one of us have issues right now. Every one of us. If you don't have one, thank the Lord that you're doing so well. And so we're going to close our time together with a little bit of worship and ministry at the altar. Again, if you need to go or you want to go, you're dismissed as soon as I close out in prayer. But for those of you who might need just a little bit of extra prayer, maybe you're going through something similar to what Pete and his family went through. Maybe you're in the process of losing something. Maybe you've been given a bad medical report. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe there's some issues that have happened in your life and you really haven't had an answer for them. You haven't been able to process them through the word of God and you just need a little bit of peace. Maybe you don't have any joy in your life. You're struggling with an addiction. We have some people who are prepared to pray with you and believe that for you, your life could be different today. Today. So let's just bow our heads and then when I'm finished with this prayer, you're free to go. Pastor Chris, maybe you could come and help me. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for an inspirational story that we heard today and the courage that it took for Pete to come up and share this story publicly. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of second chances and third chances, and Pete didn't really get into it, but, Lord, you have restored him. You have proven yourself faithful once again to him and to his family. And, Lord, you've blessed him in basket and in store. You've blessed him in every way. That which the enemy takes from us, what the enemy means for harm, you always bring something good out of it. And Lord, we thank you that whatever we're going through right now, there's a tomorrow in the kingdom of God. And there's another tomorrow after that. And you are the God who is more than enough. You do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And so Lord, we just pray right now in these closing moments for those who are in need, Lord, those who feel it in their hearts. We're not going to try to force anything here. We're not going to try to uh, do something on our own. Holy Spirit of God, whatever it is that you want to do here at this time, we give you permission to do it. And we just open our altars, Lord. Holy Spirit, you don't really need us. You allow us to get involved, but you do the work all by yourself. And I pray for those who are willing to take a step and say, I need more of God today. I want more of God. I pray, Lord God, that you would move in a mighty way. You would bring transformation and change. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. 
be sure to go to cccsterling.org media for more messages from Community Christian Church.